Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. Y'all ready for this? This is the Gimme the Hogs Chuck Podcast presented by Weikert Realtors, the Griffin Company. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. He is a loathsome, offensive brute. Yet I can't look away. This is the business we've chosen. Mallet steps up, heaves it right, he's got a man open. It's caught for Arkansas. Greg Childs fumbles in the end zone. Touchdown. It is a touchdown. Yep. Wow. Vern, I can't believe it. Hey, welcome in. Glad you are here. It is back to football. As we begin on the Gimme the Hawks Chuck podcast presented by Wiker Realtors, the Griffin Company, the Racerbacks heading to the Sunshine State, getting set to take on the Florida Gators. And what not only is a very important game from a Razorback perspective, from a Sam Pittman perspective, from a Kenny Guyton program, whoever's perspective that follows the Razorbacks, it's also a pivotal game from a Florida Gators perspective. I mean, they're 5-3 and three right now. They're 3-2. and two in Southeastern Conference play. They're coming off a loss to Georgia. I'm certain that they are thinking that if we are going to go to a good bowl game, if we are going to put together what many would call a good season, we got to beat Arkansas in the first game of November because you've got to remember they've still got to play Florida State once their SEC schedule is done. And as I mentioned, they're 5-3. and three. And I don't know if they can beat Florida State. So that's a fourth loss. And if they win the rest, I mean, you can do the math. They're eight and four. So I can assure you they're viewing the Arkansas game as a game they've got to win. Now, the Razorbacks, it's a whole different story. Six losses in a row, a change in offensive coordinator, a new beginning in a sense. So I wonder what it's been like for the offense over the last 10 or 11 days. Talked a lot about passion and getting our pride back and getting our respect back. We've never won in Florida, in Gainesville. We've got plenty incentive, but one of them is we need to play better and we need to get respect from the people of our state and, and our own the university. We've got to get our respect back. And we've been playing hard, and so I'm not saying that we've lost respect from everybody. We've been playing hard. We've lost some close games, but we need to win one. I think we'll all feel a lot better. Yeah, I think it'd be fair to say. Everybody would feel a lot better if you could win a ball game. Hogs have never won in the Swamp. They've never really been close to winning in the Swamp. There was a year under Bobby Petrino there where they gave them a battle, got some bad calls. But for the most part, it's been Florida eating the Razorbacks alive down there. And, you know, from an Arkansas perspective, again, I mean, you've got a situation where You know, you've changed coordinators. You've pared down the playbook. Coach Pittman was talking about it there. And you're just hoping that you can find a way to win a ball game. It's much different for the Gators. And that's why we're going to talk in just a little bit to Sean Kelly. He's the voice of the Florida Gators. We're going to get his perspective on what's going on with their football team. Coming off that loss to Georgia. And as they look ahead to November, I want to get his thoughts on where they are right now. Now, there's been a lot said about the Razorback offense since Dan Enos was let go and Kenny Guyton was promoted, at least for the time being. What are they going to look like? What are they going to do? Are they going to go up tempo? Are they going to 
pare down the playbook. Well, the answer to the pare down the playbook part's yes. The answer to the up-tempo part is they'd like to. But they've got to run the football before any of this stuff can happen. We talk about K.J. dropping back and moving the pocket, bootlegs and all this stuff. None of those things are going to work if you can't run the football. Now, the offensive line has gotten the lion's share of the blame for Arkansas' struggles there. And there's certainly justification in saying some of those things. But there's also been some issues with the running backs. Sounds like Rocket may play this Saturday. Bottom line is these guys got to play as a unit. I thought we were a little slow, hesitant. I thought the, everything was, but I thought we were as well on the quarterback exchange from the running back. The holes that we've been opening up, they've closed pretty fast for us. We've got to get there faster, and they've adjusted that, I believe. And we haven't really changed anything other than we've cut down. We've tried to figure out what we can do well, and we're going to go try to do that. So there's been positive about that. Had a really good team run period yesterday day on offense and I'm attributing it to we're running less plays and just hopefully we can run them better. Now again it sounds like Rocket may play. It sounds like he's been good so far this week and if nothing flares up sounds like we may see him on the field but Rocket by himself is obviously not going to be the magic wand but it's an important day and it's an important month and it begins a stretch And we talk about the team. It's an important stretch for Rocket because if he wants to reestablish himself as one of the premier backs in the premier league, this is the time. I mean, he's about to run out of time. And I know he's not been 100% healthy. And I hope he's able to get back to that. And I hope he can start in Gainesville. Hey, before we talk to Sean Kelly, I want to talk to you about Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company. Really, I want to talk to you about Heather Campbell. She's one of their tops. She's one of their best. In fact, Weikert has voted Heather Campbell from right here in our own backyard, Northwest Arkansas, as the top Weikert agent in America. She won that honor in 2022. And from what I understand, she's going to be in the running in 2023. She's got 17 years of expertise. She works with some of the most elite home builders in Northwest Arkansas. She's got a handle on literally every neighborhood in our region, and that is what makes her so effective. And so if you're selling a home, if you've got a home to sell, Heather Campbell is the one you need to call. Now, she's one of the stars at Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company, not the only one. And you'll always deal with a real estate professional. I've told you about my experience, and I think that'll be yours as well. Now, they're in Fayetteville. They're in Springdale. They're in Bentonville. They're in Fort Smith. They're in Branson, Missouri now. And you can always log on to WikerGriffin.com. This Edo's running. I said go Tigers. You know what I'm saying? But I'm going to say it one time for the Hogs. Give me the hoax, Chuck. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, 
and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Sean Kelly is in his second season as the voice of the Florida Gators. And we're glad to welcome him to the program today. He is only the fourth voice of the Gators since 1940, according to the information that I read, which is pretty remarkable in and of itself. Sean, welcome. Hope you're doing well today. Doing great. The weather finally has broken. Uh, Summer has finally ended in Gainesville, at least for a moment. (laughs) Well, it feels like winter where we are, so we're looking forward to the 70s on uh, Saturday. You know, I've I've been watching Florida this week, some some of the tape on the Gators, and there have been weeks when I've watched them, and I've thought Billy Napier's putting this thing together. And then there are weeks when I've watched them, and it maybe doesn't look quite like that. The defense has been pretty consistent, though, and I, I just wonder about your take on what you've seen through eight ball games so far this year. I've seen what young football teams do, whereas, like you said, sometimes the, the, the game or the tape looks like, hey, they're kind of heading the right direction, and then you have weeks where, yeah, maybe not ready for prime time. I mean, that's just kind of the way it is, and um, I, I would say this, at least if you're looking for signs of Napier trending in the right direction is the fact that the best football players on this team are guys that he has brought here. And the other part of that is that most of those guys are freshmen or sophomores. So, I mean, they're young. They're going to be okay when they, when this group grows up a little bit and when they bring in this highly touted recruiting class that's you know coming down the pipe. So it's one of those deals where I think they're exactly where I thought they'd be at this point. Maybe I thought beat Kentucky, lose to Tennessee, and they just flipped that. They beat Tennessee and lost at Kentucky. And so, you know, I think the record is probably matching up with what I thought would be the case. And, and unfortunately for the Gators and their fans, they're, they're staring down the barrel here of maybe the toughest schedule the rest of the way in the country, starting with Arkansas this weekend and then then three games against teams that are 14 or better uh, in the in either the AP poll or the or the college football playoff you know ranking. So that's kind of where things stand. The defense was really good early, and and they've had some slippage here of late. And offensively, they're they're just trying to get that offensive line to to give Mertz a little bit more of a chance. He's been he's been just fine. He's been actually a, you know a delight to be around and fun to watch uh, since he arrived transferring from Wisconsin. You know, we were talking a little bit earlier about how, you know, I would suppose that in Florida, Gator fans kind of view this as a swing game because you talked about what was left on the schedule. And obviously November is the month, so to speak. And I just wonder if that's kind of how the viewpoint is among those who follow Florida. Probably the case. I mean, you know, if you're you're listening to to Vegas, you know, this would be the only game left that Florida is going to be favored in. You know, I think it's six and a half this weekend at home. Home's been very good to the Gators, and then you've got those three teams, you know, that lie ahead. So uh, if you, you would have to look at this and say, 
it's it's not a must win, but if you want to become bowl eligible and then the scenario would be that could you steal one, you know, either at Missouri on the road, home against Florida State, or somehow on a Saturday night in Death Valley in Baton Rouge, that's that's kind of what Gator fans are, are, are looking at as far as how this could play out. And then, you know, would that give you seven wins? And then obviously, you know, you have a chance for an eighth in a bowl game. I think that, you know, just if we're just going by record here, that's a that's an improvement over year one and, and you're turning in the right direction, if that makes any sense. You know, one of the things that's been impressive about Mertz, you know, when you watch him is that, you know, even though sometimes like K.J. Jefferson asked for Arkansas, he's he's been running for his life. He's not thrown interceptions. He's He's been good in terms of protecting the possession. Uh, tell us about him and, and what makes him good. Well, tough. I mean, toughness is one thing that, you know, I didn't know about him, but you're right because he's been running for his life. He's taken a lot of shots. And he keeps getting up. And I think that, other than, you know, in addition to his other leadership skills, which are always on display, I think that had, that has added to his street cred, if you will, with his teammates. You know, this ability to hang in there and, and, and even when he's not feeling good or he takes a bad shot, he seems to get up and rally and, and keep the play going. But, you know, when you talk about his football IQ uh, it's off the charts, and so that's one reason why he hasn't thrown an interception. That's one why, reason why Billy Napier's playbook this year is thicker than it was a year ago. Uh, and and it, it's not just the smarts. It, but the reality is he just made his 40th career start. I mean, that's a lot of time on task, and, and he looks like a guy that's started that many games in Power 5 college football. And uh, you know, he's got a very accurate arm, and his completion percentage obviously ranks highly both in the conference and in the country. And and I just think that he knows how to get them into the right play. And, and nine times out of ten, he's making the right choice on his throws, too. So uh, as his skill guys get better, you know, young Trey Wilson is, is in that group. Ricky Pearsall and Graham have become best friends. You, you get chemistry with those guys. And then these young tight ends that kind of are still learning how to play a little bit they've been more and more uh, of an option for Graham. So as those things increase, you know, we've seen Graham's game increase. And, you know, early on in the season, Chuck, it was this, well, Graham's going to be a great game manager. Yes, that is certainly the case. We were all kind of waiting to see if he could put a game on his back, win something down the stretch, and he checked that box in the road win in South Carolina. So um, I think that you would have to say, if you're being objective, that he has been better than expected coming out of his career at Wisconsin and probably to the surprise of a lot of Gators fans that grumbled about that was going to be the next guy here under center for Florida. Uh, he has, I think he's done very well. Well, yeah, I mean, he's completed like 76% of his passes, 14 touchdowns, two interceptions. I mean, those are, uh, you know, those are all conference kind of numbers. Um, I wonder about the running game. You know, between Johnson and ATN, you you pretty much got a thousand yards uh, between those two guys. Uh, tell us about that aspect. Yeah, both. You know, Johnson is quote unquote the starter, but it's kind of a one A and one uh, one and one A, and uh, Montreal is kind of the guy that would kind of run it through your chest, and Trevor's kind of more of a make you miss kind of guy. Uh, both have become better at catching the football, and there's a lot of swing passes and screens that are featured in this offense. I think that Billy Napier would like both of them to probably be better in pass protection, help that offensive line out a little bit. 
but they're very strong and capable runners, and they have a, they have another gear. Each of them do, and so the running back room has been just fine for Florida. It's you know, can they can they work in concert with an offensive line that has not played but just one or two games all year at full strength? So that's where sometimes that run game is. It's either on or it's you know it's kind of eh, compared to what it was a year ago when Florida had a, a better better offensive line with the All-American Torrance. So that's kind of where it is. I mean, it's, it's it's one of those things where it's not even a conversation during the week. You just know that ETN and Johnson are going to be just fine at running back, and, and when either's on the field, you feel good about things. All right, got to ask you about you just for a second here while I've, uh, while I've got you. You have had a myriad of assignments over the years, and I know you've worked Major League Baseball for ESPN Radio. Are you – are you still mixing and matching all that together? Or are you still traveling around when your when your schedule allows you to do that? <laughs> when the schedule allows, yes. So when I took this job, what was that, fifteen months ago or whatever, I transitioned from full time at ESPN to kind of now part time, and so I'm still doing probably twenty to twenty five events for them. But my priority is Florida football and men's basketball, and then the ESPN radio stuff, kind of filters in and around that so yes i'm still doing a, a little bit of college football around the gator schedule and then the nba side is probably the biggest piece that i still do for them and then because the gators were in omaha in baseball this past summer i didn't do quite as many mlb games this past summer but it's still there i you know i just i can't sit still chuck that's part of the problem and at some point here maybe i'll do that a little bit well I got to ask you this. I mean, I I know you worked in New Orleans, and you worked as a firefighter. Is that the story? I did. Am I reading this right? I did a little research here. Am I reading that right? You did. You dug around a little bit. So when I was with the uh, the NBA team in New Orleans, I did not have some of this other things. These other things I was telling you about. So in 2012 during one of my big NBA off seasons, I started as a volunteer firefighter, which didn't really sit well with the wife. Um, but I kept training at it and I kept progressing to where all of a sudden now I was, I became a paid firefighter. And the, the deal was this is that each month or in the off season, I would work a regular shift. And then during the season, I would give my schedule to the chief and he would match that up with guys who were either sick, injured, or vacation. And so I was a flex guy during the season. So, you know, I may I may go on a road trip with the NBA team and then come home and fill in for a guy at the fire station. And I did that for about, I want to say it was like six years. And then as my national schedule started growing more and more, I couldn't keep up with the training hours required, you know, by every guy on staff. And we kind of knew that at some point it would get out of balance, and it did. I miss it a little bit, but I'm also older now, and I don't know if I could do a lot of the stuff that I used to do in that job. So I probably was the only ever NBA broadcaster slash firefighter. Well, just for the record, I don't know a lot of radio guys who are physically fit enough to do that. So that's a uh, that's an accomplishment in and of itself right there. <laughs> I grew up in St. Louis. Easy, Chuck. You and I have um, – one thing very much in common. I grew up listening to Jack Buck. In fact, I've said many times that there were so many nights in my childhood, I'm sure Jack Buck's voice was the last voice I heard before I fell asleep. I wonder if 
that was kind of like how you were growing up. No doubt. No doubt. Growing up in St. Louis, you know, I had Jack Buck. I had uh, Bob Starr to listen to. I had uh, Dan Kelly doing blues hockey. It's just one of those towns, and especially on the baseball side, where not only were they just some of the best broadcasters in the business, but they were as much a part of the community and the and the culture around the team as anything else. And so, you know, I've, I think I grew up, A, just loving to listen to them, and, and but also I knew what they meant to the community, and, I, and I'd always wanted that to be what I would have in my role as a, as a broadcaster. And I think I found that here, you know, at, at Florida. And I had it to some extent in New Orleans too, but, you know, with Florida kind of, kind of being the, the big entity over in this neck of the woods, my ability to not only be an ambassador for the team, but also have some impact on my community too, is it reminds me of what Jack and Mike and all those guys in St. Louis were. And so that's, that's kind of what I thought was so cool when I was young, and 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 now maybe I I can replicate that in in a different way down here. All right, what's the high supposed to be Saturday? And I ask that because it was twenty five degrees here this morning. It, it's looking like Chuck probably around like eighty one. Mm, that sounds awesome. That sounds great. Can't wait to see you guys down here. Hey, thanks to Sean Kelly again for joining us here on the Give Me the Hawks Chuck podcast. That sounds pretty nice weather-wise down in Gainesville. I think it's going to warm up here before the week's over. In fact, it's supposed to be nicer tomorrow and then on into Friday too. But uh, it'll be nice to have 80 degrees roughly by the time that ball game's over on Saturday. Hey, I know everybody's getting ready for the football weekend. And by the way, if you check the Bet Saracen app, the Gators still minus six and a half. Uh, over the Razorbacks on Saturday. If you've not downloaded the Bet Saracen app, you're really missing out. It is Vegas, Arkansas style. There's going to be Arkansas flavor in a lot of wagering opportunities, whether it's the Razorbacks or former Razorbacks. You've got in-game bets. You've got exotic bets and parlays. All kinds of opportunities to pique your interest at the Bet Saracen app. Or maybe you're just one of those who likes to put a little wager on the game you're watching. Put a little wager on your favorite team on Sunday. There's certainly an opportunity to do that. Whether it's college football this weekend, the NFL on Sunday, you got to download it today. There's a how-to-play video that gets you ready to go with the Bet Saracen app. A note before we go. Razorback great Roland Sales is going to be inducted into the Orange Bowl Hall of Fame uh, late in December. If you're old enough to remember one of the great victories in Razorback history, number two Oklahoma, the Orange Bowl, Arkansas wins it 31-6. Roland Sales rushed for a then Cotton Bowl record, 205 yards. Now, since then, Amon Green of Nebraska rushed for 206 in an Orange Bowl game, but that record by Sales held for about 20 years. Little known fact about the Razorbacks' win over Oklahoma that night, Sales was also the leading pass receiver. You know, back then, you didn't throw a whole lot of passes. He had four catches for 52 yards. He rushed for 205 yards. That's what people will always remember. But he had four catches more than any Razorback that night. He'll be inducted this year. They'll have an on-the-field ceremony at the Orange Bowl game on December 30th. 
All right, when we get together Friday, we'll be getting ready for a football game. Hogs are going to travel on Friday. They'll take on the Gators Saturday. We'll preview it when we see you at the end of the week or when we talk at the end of the week. Hope you'll make plans to be around then. Until then, thanks for listening. Give me an H. Give me an O. Give me a G. Give me an F. What's that spell? Give me the hugs, Chuck. <laughs> Subscribe to the Give Me the Hugs, Chuck podcast. Go to hitthatline.com or search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to rate, review, and share. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.